I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Sarah Wilson, and welcome to this bonus episode of Wild. It's actually inspired by some of the techniques I explored in my book, First We Make the Beast Beautiful, which reframed anxiety through a philosophical, spiritual and evolutionary biology lens. In this third episode of the three-part special series, I explore how I turn my anxiety into my superpower. It's a vigilant practice I engage in daily. In this episode, I'm joined by Brooke McCullery from slowyourhome.com and we explore ways that I listen to my anxiety and then use it to shape my best life. I hope you enjoy it. Hello again. So throughout your career, you have edited Cosmopolitan magazine. You have written a number of books, best-selling books. You have hosted MasterChef, the first season of MasterChef, and you've run a business. Now, you often write and, and talk about how anxiety is your superpower. How has anxiety as your superpower helped you throughout mm. that career? Yeah, I get asked that a fair bit and it's something I had to work out for myself, I've got to say. It's really interesting. Anxiety in many ways is my compass and it steers me to where things are not feeling right in my life. So when something's not feeling right, I get anxious and I now know to listen to that. Um, so it really is the thing that steers me to really good, right decisions. And that's helped me with business and creativity and writing books and so on. Is that a physical sensation? Absolutely. And you've had to learn how to tap into that and become aware of it? Yeah, it feels, I describe it as itchy collar. 
It feels like I've got an itchy collar and it's just sort of, and I start to see things in black and white. And then, of course, I start to get very, very anxious. So feeling very sick in my stomach and short of breath and that kind of thing. And I've had to train myself to listen to that and say, all right, something I'm doing is not right. And, you know, change direction. And that allows you then to focus in on when you're feeling that that physical sensation and, and that steers your decisions and your choices. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think the other thing about anxiety, Brooke, is that it does take you down into pain to a point where you're almost hopeless. There's nowhere else to go. And so you just have to sit in it Mm. and ride it out. And that process is very maturing. And it also brings about incredible clarity and empathy um, for for other people. So Pima Chodron, who's an American Buddhist nun, She says that hopelessness actually stops you from forever reaching outwards to something else, to Mm. to other fixes and other solutions. And it actually um, brings you into a sort of a space where you have to sit and learn and really get to know yourself. And that for me has enabled me to write and create from a really strong, mature space. This is a theme that, uh, that you've brought up a number of times in our last two conversations as well, this idea of just sitting in discomfort. That's right. We do a lot to avoid that in modern society, don't we? How did you become comfortable with discomfort? Oh, in many ways, it's about being rendered choiceless. Mm. We talked about this previously. The worst thing you can do with anxiety is to get anxious about being Mm. anxious. I always say, do anxiety once. And to do that, you've just got to sit in it. As soon as you try to run from it, that's when it gets worse. So sitting in it is a real a real path, I think, for living with anxiety productively. And it's that's in many ways what a lot of poets and creatives and world leaders have said throughout history. And a lot of them have had anxiety. It's quite incredible. Poets are 30 times more likely to have an anxious disorder than the rest of us. Wow. And scientists have really high levels of anxiety. So these people who are problem solvers and creators have anxiety and a lot of them talk about how it's the trigger to what they create. It actually enables them. The writer Nais Nin, she sort of said that great art is born of great terror and loneliness and instabilities, but it also balances them. And so I think that when you're anxious, you're drawn to create. I create to modulate my anxiety to to manage it, but it means I wind up with some stuff that I've actually created, you know? Well, I mean, that's the gift of it, I suppose, and that's, exactly. and that's you're using it then to to guide that creativity and the creativity in itself. It's my superpower. Right. Yeah, anxiety is my superpower. Um, the other thing that I think is really important to mention is that people with anxiety generally care. They care about everything, you know, at a, at a high-octane level. But what it means is there's inherent vigilance to their behaviour And I think that's another superpower. And this is something that Diane Fossey studied with chimps in the 1960s. Yeah. What does that teach us about vigilance? Yeah, uh, people love this study. It's a really obscure one. But she noted that there was in these sort of chimp colonies um, a bunch of outliers who were displaying behaviours like humans that were anxious, you know. So they had quite obsessive compulsive behaviours. They had no mates. They were ostracised. They were bullied. And they sat on the outside of the group and they stayed awake all night and they were nervous. And what she found is she removed those few from the the clan Mm -hmm. and the clan would survive at most six months 
after this, these particularly nervous, anxious chimps were removed. And the, the theory is that we need anxious chimps, we need anxious people in our communities to keep us safe and to keep us vigilant. It's, it's, it's quite fascinating, actually. Absolutely. Yeah. And if you look back through history, about 1.2% of the population has a fairly extreme anxious disorder like bipolar or obsessive compulsive disorder. And it doesn't matter whether you live in Sydney or the Kalahari Desert or the Amazon, the same proportion of the population have these so-called anxious disorders. Right. And what is being suggested is that it exists as an almost evolutionary quirk in humans, so that we have a number of people who remain vigilant, who have strong senses of smell to, to ensure that we don't eat something poisonous, that have a really strong sense of safety. And that's why they feel that so many world leaders, whether they've been shaman or whether they've been Winston Churchill, mm-hmm. you know, in sort of war eras, um, have had these these mental disorders, whether it's bipolar or obsessive compulsive disorder or some other sort of panic attack syndrome or, or so on. So in that light, I mean, does that help? I think it does. Yeah. I find it really helpful because anxiety isn't some random thing. It, it feels like it sort of serves a purpose. Yeah. It can be important and it can be utilised as a superpower. For everyone. For everyone, absolutely. You can use it rather than um, drown in it. So, I, yeah, I find it, I find it really comforting. Do you uh, tap back into that comfort in your daily life? Do you use that as motivation or a technique? So one thing that really works for me is that excitement and, and anxiety actually um, trigger the same sort of neurochemical response in our brains. So Mm. our brains don't really know the difference, right, between excitement and when we're really freaked out. So what we can actually do is choose for an anxious experience to to be reinterpreted as excitement. And I do that quite a lot. So if I've got to do um, some public speaking or I've got to go into a social situation that makes me nervous, I actively choose to see it as excitement and that choice in itself really changes things. Just the perspective of going into this as not an anxious person at this moment, but as an excited person must be really... It's liberating. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The other thing I do is if I'm really anxious, I'll have a conversation with my anxiety and sometimes I'll write it down. I'll just find a serviette at a cafe or, or whatever it might, the back of a receipt And I sit there and just write a little note to my anxiety. So I have a conversation and we're coming closer to each other and it becomes sort of a dynamic where it's more of a friendship Mm. rather than something I'm trying to get rid of or run from. And that really helps. The final thing I think which is very useful is I read about other creatives who have had at times crippling anxiety and there's many, many out there, writers and artists and musicians and world leaders And um, I just love learning about their anxiety, how they coped with it, how they didn't cope with it. And it makes me feel less alone because that's a really big issue with anxiety is the aloneness that you can feel. So reading about these people is an incredible, I guess, healing technique. To understand that it's not just you who's going through this. And do you find that other people... And to see it as beautiful. Right. Because you you see all these people who you admire and respect and you know their anxious journey has been part of that, and it truly does become a beautiful, joyous thing. 
Yeah. Do you discover more about your own anxiety when you read the language other people use to describe their experience? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Every single time I go deeper and deeper into it and um, I can sort of appreciate it and then get on with the rest of my life. Right. Do you have a meditation that will help specifically with anxiety? This is a great one if you're feeling nervous. It's great to practice whenever you're nervous, actually, and, and need to be alert and focused. Get comfortable in your seat. Have your feet planted out in front with your legs uncrossed and rest your hands gently in your lap. Now close your eyes and start to breathe in and out. Very, very gently place your tongue behind your teeth and breathe in deeply and slowly out. In, out. Keep breathing slowly like this. You can slow your breathing even further by counting. Breathe in to the count of four. Hold to the count of three and breathe out to the count of five. Breathe in, two, three, four, and hold, two, three. Exhale, two, three, four, five. Breathe in, two, three, four, hold, two, three, and exhale, two, three, four, five. Keep breathing like this, letting your breath slow comfortably. You're calming down as you breathe slowly and calmly. This calm breathing helps you focus and be alert and relaxed. Continue to breathe slowly. Now, allow your shoulders to drop. Allow the muscles of your shoulders to loosen. Notice your hands and let your hands be open, loose and relaxed. Let your arms rest by your side, letting go of all tension and just relaxing. Focus on your jaw. Allow your jaw to rest loosely. Smile a little with your eyes and feel your jaw release a little more. Scan your body briefly again. Notice your shoulders release. Notice your hands release. And notice your jaw. Release. Keep breathing and you can count your breath if you like. Breathe in, two, three, four. Hold, two, three. Exhale, two, three, four, 
five. Now turn your attention gently to your thoughts. I'll recite some simple affirmations. Believe them fully and gently, softly, as true things. And repeat each phrase silently in your mind as you breathe in and out. I am calm. I am relaxed. I am safe right now. Everything is all right. I know how to relax easily. I handle situations gently, softly, with ease. I am prepared. I am focused. I am so deeply relaxed. I am so calm and everything is all right now. I can relax under pressure. I know how to relax easily. I am capable. I handle situations gently, softly, with ease. Everything is all right. I am relaxed. I am relaxed. If you feel the slightest feeling of nervousness pass through your thoughts or your body, softly repeat, I am relaxed. I am relaxed. You can use this technique where you breathe in, two, three, four, hold, two, three, exhale, two, three, four, five, then soften your shoulders, your hands, your jaw, and softly repeat, I am relaxed, I am relaxed, whenever you get nervous. Feeling nervous will cause you to relax. Breathe deeply, relax your muscles, calm your thoughts. Breathe deeply, relax your muscles, calm your thoughts. When you're ready, slowly open your eyes, stretch a little and hold this calm, relaxed feeling.
Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for joining me on that guided meditation. While I was listening to it again, I thought to flag with you all a previous episode from Series 3. I interviewed Dr. Judd Brewer. He's a New York-based surfer, yes, there's such a thing, psychiatrist and neuroscientist specialising in habit change, and he's helped thousands of people quit smoking and overcome binge eating. But his latest research treats anxiety, well, like it's any other habit, and he has found that the practice of being curious is an incredible way to beat a bad habit, whether it's anxiety, smoking, or or binge eating. It's really worth revisiting again, especially as we start a new year together. The link to this chat is available in the show notes, and thank you once again for listening. Until next time, stay wild. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.